Welcome to Follow the Medical Record, where healthcare experts give insights into the increasing importance of following a patient's medical record through the health ecosystem with compliance, privacy, security, and efficiency front and center. This podcast is brought to you by MRO and hosted by Don Hardwick, Senior Vice President of Client Relations at MRO. Don has been in the health information management industry for over 40 years and has extensive knowledge of how medical records make their way through the healthcare ecosystem. At MRO, Don is responsible for strategic client engagement programs and overall client satisfaction. To hear from all of MRO's industry experts, be sure to visit MROCorp.com for additional content and to sign up for our monthly e-newsletter. Over to you, Don. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Follow the Medical Record. I'm your host, Don Hardwick, and thanks for listening in today. You can check us out and learn more about MRO on our website at MROCORP.com and can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Give me a shout. I'd like to hear from our listeners. Be sure also to follow us on Twitter at MROCORP. Today we'll be talking to Jason Brown, who's the new CEO of MRO. So first, Jason, let me say welcome and thank you for joining the show. Happy to be here, Don. Thanks for uh, having me. Really excited um, to uh, have this opportunity to talk to all our listeners. Uh, Jason, your career path has certainly been on a magnificent growth path, which has landed you in some key corporate roles, including, of course, the CEO of MRO. So we'll get to that career path in a, in a moment. But uh, first of all, I'd like to kind of turn back the hands of time, if you will, and give our listeners a, a little bit about, you know, your growth and how you selected this pathway. And then we'll get into following that, how you see the medical record intertwined within the healthcare system and more particularly where MRO is going. So let me, let me start here um, with a little bit about your pre-college years. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go way back. Um, and give our listeners a little bit about uh, where you grew up, what led you into the direction of uh, your collegiate career, and then the the uh, major that you picked, uh, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of go from there. No, that sounds uh, sounds great. Um, so yeah, if we if we go back in the in the way back machine, uh, I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. So um, small town kid, uh, Southern values. Grew up with um, with my mom uh, and an older brother, and uh, she really just instilled in us early on the value of hard work. Uh, it was one of those households that if you came home with a B, uh, uh, the 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 question was why didn't you get an A? And so uh, really just um, developed that work ethic early uh, as a kid, and um, uh, take those kind of Arkansas roots with me in in everything that I do. Now, did you play any sports in, in high school? I did. Uh, so I grew up as a pretty active kid. Um, early in life, I played 
everything. If it had a a ball, um, I wanted to to do it. Uh, as I got to uh, middle school and high school, uh, basketball uh, became my primary sports. So I played basketball throughout um, high school. It's one of those things where I was I'm I'm reasonably tall, um, but I stopped growing around 15. So in, in when I was 15, I was I knew I was destined for the NBA. The problem is when you don't grow from 15 to 18, people catch up with you. Uh, but uh, I tend to be a huge, huge uh, sports fan in general. Um, but uh, but basketball is my my favorite sport and learned a ton of leadership lessons playing basketball, learned a ton about teamwork uh, throughout my years uh, playing basketball. So it's one of my fondest childhood memories. Let me ask you, you, you mentioned your your uh, mom and your um, your work ethic. Um, did you work any jobs in high school, early college or even into college? I did. Um, so I would say, I mean, I probably don't remember a time when I wasn't working. I was one of those kids that had a paper out, um, my brother and I, when we were little. So um, for our younger listeners, there's this thing called the newspaper that you actually used to have to get um, uh, to learn what was going on in the day. So we would get up at, you know, four in the morning and roll the newspapers and go and throw those. Um, so I remember doing that. And then I've always had, a you know, a, an interest in business. Uh, so I remember having like a candy store and just always was trying to um, do little little businesses. And then I probably started my first formal job. Well, I didn't probably start my first formal job when I was 14, uh, pushing buggies and bagging groceries at a, a grocery store called Mega Market um, in, uh, in Little Rock. And then I basically worked all through high school uh, and worked all through college uh, to help pay for college. Uh, up until I guess second semester of my senior year um, uh, was probably the first time that I didn't have a job from the time I was, you know, could ride a bike. Uh, so that's been something that's just been part of me. And again, seeing my mom, who always worked multiple jobs, put herself back through school to get her master's degree, um, that work ethic that I saw in her that she instilled in in me is just something that's always been core to who I am. You know, one of the things that is a common theme I see among successful people is number one, having that type of work ethic. Okay. Number two is a key that you just said a minute ago, and you're probably going, okay, now what did I say a minute ago? Um, was the fact that you had an early paper route. Mm. Most successful people rise early in the morning and get their day started. I had a paper route and I did the same thing. And at times you did not want to get out of that bed at all. But it's that drive that makes you later on in life. And that's kind of the point here is that drive makes you successful. That's the building block for success for your future. Um, were you in any clubs or uh, anything else extracurricular in high school? Uh, a couple of things. Um, we had kind of the future business leaders club and a, and a few other things I did in uh, in high school. Uh, but my my primary activity was was playing basketball at that point. That translates um, over into your choice of where you were going to go to college. 
So tell our listeners a little bit about your uh, about that direction, where you went to undergraduate, graduate, um, and what drove you to pick that school, number one, yeah. or schools, not plural, number two. And then what what motivated you to go in the direction of the major that you chose? Yeah, no, great questions. Uh, so I had the good fortune of going to uh, Morehouse College um, in Atlanta, Georgia. For those who may not be familiar with Morehouse, it's a private liberal arts, all male, um, historically black college and university, and just a rich, rich history. Um, some of our most prominent alums are folks like Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and so for me, when I, I, I knew I wanted to go outside of state for college, and wanted to really marry a academic, um, uh, obviously education and experience with the place that also uh, had a very thriving, compelling social experience. Um, and then more importantly, that really had a, a focus on developing Jason um, as a person and a leader. And the thing that was unique about um, Morehouse is I found a place that could do all three of those. Uh, and while many, there are many great universities and colleges that I looked at. Uh, Morehouse was unique in the sense that uh, it had a really big focus and has a really big focus on developing strong men, strong leaders, and people of character. Um, and so there was multiple things at Morehouse, but one of the things is really it's like if you educate a man's mind, but you don't educate his character, you have done him a disservice. And so it's a real big focus on how do you make sure that we're not just sending out people into the world who are smart, um, who go make a lot of money, but also sending out people into the world who are going to make a difference um, and give back to society. And so that really resonated with me um, and just spoke to me as the type of person that I wanted to um, become, which, you know, will lead into how I got into healthcare and, and, and those things later. Um, but just that that real notion of to who much is given, much is required, and you have a duty uh, to give back and a duty uh, to be a person of high character um, and how high, high value to society. So that's ultimately why I chose Morehouse. And, um, you know, there's four or five big decisions you make in your life. That was one of them. And it was like one of the best decisions I've ever made um, in my uh, in my adult life. And then your the next phase when uh, you continued on into postgraduate. Yeah, so uh, fortunately, um, I was uh, while well, I was exposed to grad school when I was in in college. Um, and I, uh, I had an opportunity to do this thing called Summer Venture Management Program uh, at Harvard Business School when I was a, a junior going into my senior year. Um, and it just exposes undergrads uh, to what it's like to go to, to go to grad school and particularly what it's like to go to grad school at, at, at Harvard. So that kind of planted that seed. So I knew I wanted to, to go to uh, Harvard Business School for graduate school. And I was fortunate enough uh, to get in. Uh, so I spent two years at at um, Harvard getting a general management um, uh, degree or a, a, a master's in business um, with the focus on general management. And again, again just a, a great experience, great learning opportunity. Um, you know, one of those things where you just feel fortunate to be able to get that experience. And so something that I that I cherish for sure. In that path during college. Um, was there anyone that stands out in your mind that was influential, any particular individual that was influential 
in your uh, education path and in building that pathway of character, as you mentioned, uh, that has helped guide you along? Did you have a mentor in that in that uh, area of education? Yeah, well, the beautiful thing about Morehouse is it's the, the classic village and community, um, you know, starting with the professors. I mean, if you missed a class, and I remember missing an accounting class one time, and, you know, your professor calls you up um, specifically and just had a ton of great professors that instilled uh, pride in you, instilled um, those high expectations. Uh, so that really helped shape me during my college years and then just the community both of current students and alum uh, all played uh, very key roles in just giving you giving me exposure uh, to different career paths um, holding you accountable at different times partnering with you um, throughout different times and seasons so you know i wouldn't say there was one person uh, the beautiful thing about uh, my experience at morehouse is the classic beloved community the classic it takes a village um, and so uh, just too many folks to name any one individual, uh, but that whole experience uh, was really what helped shape um, and drive a lot of um, who I uh, ultimately am today and hope to continue to be. Following uh, your education path, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your, your scary first job. <laughs> that yeah. Now you've got to apply all this, now what do you do? That, that, that's right. Um, so like most, such as I was an accounting and finance major in undergrad, um, and my uh, first full-time job was uh, kind of the classic um, right out of college. If you don't know exactly what you do, you go into what they call strategy consultant, consulting, which allows you to do a bunch of different, different things. And so I was fortunate to work for a company called BCG, um, which is a, a, a strategy consulting firm. And in there it was Again, one of those really uh, um, impactful um, experiences where you get a chance at 22 years old uh, to consult for work with, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies on some of their biggest, most challenging strategic questions that they need to figure out. And so I had a phenomenal time uh, over a couple of years doing that, uh, doing that work. And it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you, you know, you, you get out and you're starting all over again. And so you start to just employ those core principles of hard work um, and discipline to kind of figure out how to make it inside the, uh, the corporate world. How did this start leading or did it start leading at that first job into the healthcare sector or was that following? Yeah, uh, the healthcare sector actually came, um, excuse me, after I graduated from uh, from business school, so I did undergrad and then I did four years of work experience before going back to, to grad school. Um, and it was in that time in grad school where I really started to get the, uh, the healthcare bug, if you will, um, and trying to figure out how to marry my interest in business with my desire to do something good um, and have an impact beyond just um, making money. And so um, healthcare just seemed like the the obvious place where you could do good by doing good. Uh, and that's what really got me along the path of, of going into the healthcare space and applying my business and technical capabilities uh, into this um, 
um, massive part of our society that all of us obviously are impacted by and hoping to, you know, make it a, a more efficient healthcare system. It's interesting um, how health healthcare has evolved through the years, and of course, this show is primarily focused around the medical record and how it's used. Uh, so that literally is at the core in some degree in every provider institution in America, or probably around the world. Um, and so were, did you have any family members that were in healthcare that helped guide that as well, or was it all business related? Um, so my grandmother, who was a, a big influence on me, um, uh, was a 40-year uh, career nurse. Um, and so, you know, her experiences and um, you see the, the human side of it, right? And so um, that was probably one of the, the early influences. And then, like I mentioned, kind of post-business school really kind of attacked it from the, the, the business side. I knew I didn't want to be a clinician. Like, I can't do blood and death and any of that. It was just not my my DNA. Um, uh, so I knew I knew business would be my way that I would impact, you know, quote unquote the world. Um, and then it really started to focus in on on healthcare as a great place to, you know, apply um, my skill set to, to to hopefully make a difference. Tell, tell us a little bit about your previous um, uh, positions and companies that you've worked for uh, immediately prior to MRO. Um, and then we'll, we'll sort of migrate our, our thought process into your uh, rear view mirror here, looking back at MRO. But I'll tell our listeners a little bit about your previous position and company. Yeah, um, so I'd say I've been fortunate to work with a lot of really good healthcare um, technology firms. So. I started my healthcare career with a company called um, Med Assets that was in the uh, supply chain GPO and revenue cycle um, space and spent five years there, did a lot of interesting uh, things and just had a chance to work with an extremely talented team. And when I look back on that experience and look at where all the different people um, have gone on since then and just had really remarkable careers. but. Um, that was one of my, you know, foundational shaping experiences. I learned healthcare in that space. Um, our CEO and founder of the time gentleman named John Bartos is just a phenomenal leader um, and just got a chance to work with so many great people there um, that it kind of set the foundation and, and trajectory for uh, for a lot of my healthcare career. After that, I went into the uh, population health space um, uh, with a company called Valence Health. Uh, here in the Chicagoland area, Valence is one of the early um, innovators in pop health, kind of circa right after ACA, um, in helping providers really be able to think about how do you manage in a value-based care world, um, how do you continue to manage a patient population outside of the kind of episodic nature of when they're in front of you in the um, uh, in the hospital setting or in the the physician practice setting but really think more holistically, longitudinally about that and really help providers continue to deliver on their mission through data and analytics. And so we sold that company to uh, Evelyn Health, which is a um, still doing kind of value-based care work and um, combined our capabilities with, with Evelyn's. And 
stayed on with Evelyn for um, uh, a good bit of time to bring those pop health value-based care capabilities together. At that point, um, I had been running a, a division for uh, those companies. Um, I, I felt I was ready to step out and be a CEO and lead my own company and was, was fortunate and blessed to be able to get an opportunity to, to do that with a company called Discovery Health Partners. Uh, and what we did at Discovery was apply analytics to big data for um, payers to help them um, in some cases with their Medicare Advantage books of business, how do you manage that more effectively um, um, and identifying things around uh, what we call Medicare MSP, Medicare secondary payer, uh, other conditions around end-stage renal disease, but really apply analytics to help payers uh, be more effective across their operations. And so I ran that business uh, for a number of years uh, we were fortunate to uh, sell that business and, and combine it with um, a company called Multiplan, which is a large uh, publicly traded healthcare technology firm that's um, you know had a phenomenal amount of success um, uh, delivering on behalf of payers and providers. And so, spent um, a year there combining those two businesses, or combining the discovery business within the Multiplan business. And then most recently, as you know, joined MRO in February of, uh, of 2020. Um, but that's a little bit of my, my background. I've spent the last almost 20 years, and it's, it's flown by, um, 20 years in healthcare technology, just trying to continue to leverage technology to help make healthcare more efficient, um, lower the cost uh, of healthcare across the um, uh, payers and providers so that we can provide more affordable care, ultimately provide more affordable care. Uh, to patients and increase access uh, to more and more patients. So that's uh, that's the work I hope to continue to do for the next 20, 30 years if I'm uh, if I'm fortunate to. Gosh, that's a that that is a tremendous uh, career path here up to this point. And I agree. I, I I hope that you're able to continue that same trajectory uh, for the rest of your career, uh, Jason. Unfortunately. Due to some time constraints with the show, I believe we're going to need to pause here and then resume next time with a uh, with a part two of this series. Um, so I just want to thank you again, and we'll sort of pick up uh, where we've left off here and then uh, start with MRO and st start looking forward. Uh, as you say, in your career path, what you see for the future, and we'll we'll resume this with our next uh, with our next show. So I want to thank you again for joining me and for sharing your history here so far. So thank you very much for doing that. No, thank you for having me, and I look forward to uh, continuing the conversation. Very good. For more insights on a patient's medical record through the healthcare system and discussions with top executives in the healthcare industry, visit the show's page at MROCORP.com. Click on resources and check out our previous podcast. You can also explore additional resources and thought leadership on our website. Check out the program page on health carenowradio.com. Finally, be sure to connect with us on Twitter at MROCORP. Until we talk again, I'm your host, Don Hardwick.